Hello. Oh, there we go. Okay, thank you. That was just a test. In fact, we're going to be talking about tests all through the service of this message, so this is a good, good one to, to get started with. Okay, so, as I was saying, for those who missed me at home, Pastor Bill, welcome to you all. And before, I just talked about the, good, the not so good news and the great news. So, the not so good news is that we have to say goodbye to Nathan and Julianne Todd. They are heading uh, in this week, they're heading off to Grand Prairie, where I believe that's Nathan's hometown. Uh, they're going to settle there. And you know what the good news is? You know what the great news is? They're expecting. So we just want to congratulate them this morning. Nathan and Julianne, why don't you stand up and just uh, have a wave. We can see the picture online here for those at home. But we just want to extend to you uh, our, um, our blessings. Uh, Nathan and Julianne have been a blessing to us. We've got to know each other through the online uh, alpha and where they've been uh, some helpers for us, and uh, it's been a great opportunity to journey with you. They've also joined a small group, and uh, we're just going to miss you. So uh, be blessed. Know that we're, you're in our thoughts and prayers. Great. I do have a card for you afterwards, so don't make, sh make sure that you come and see me, okay? So we are into our second week in our series, Praying with Sinners and Saints. Last week, Pastor Kevin spoke about Hagar's encounter with God in the desert and helped us see that Hagar's circumstances were known by God. Her story mattered to God. And it was in that context that she could cry out, I need you, God, I need you. Today, we're going to have the opportunity to look into David's life to learn more about prayer as we continue this series. Praying with the Sinners and Saints, I believe, is a suitable title for David. I was recently gifted uh, a new book by author Mark Buchanan entitled David Arise. It's the first of three books that he has, he's going to be writing. He's already written the first book, David Arise, but he's going to write two more on the life of David. And in the first book, this is what he calls David, a man of many contradictions. Think about it. David was a poet. David was a killer. David was an adulterer. David was a fugitive. David was a war hero. Yet we also know that David was a God lover. Scripture tells us in 1 Samuel 13, 14, and again in Acts chapter 13, 22, that David was a man after God's own heart. Most commentators would agree that the reason that David is attributed with this characteristic is because of his faith in God. And his prayers that we read in the book of Psalms reflect profoundly David as a flawed man who trusted God. Perhaps that is why many, including myself, identify with him. Because we're all flawed. We've got something going on, and um, 
what we're going to hopefully see through this um, opportunity to look into his, this one story in his life and a psalm, a corresponding psalm, that we're going to discover some, hopefully some treasures that we can take home with us in terms of how we can come to God in our flawed state. But before I dive into Scripture, I want us to look this morning um, at just, uh, just to hear my journey uh, of faith, and more specifically my prayer life as it relates to the Psalms. Throughout my 60 years of being a Christ follower, the Psalms have been my go-to, but even more so in the last 20 years. You may have heard me reference the story of when Dorothy and our boys were heading to Northern California on a summer vacation. And one way to keep our three boys uh, from getting on each other's nerves was to put on an Adventure and Odyssey tape. Now, notice I said tape. This was cassette tape. Remember those cassette tapes back then? Yes. And as long as the tape was being played, there was peace in the van. At one point in our journey, uh, we found out that there were no more tapes left. We'd listened to them all. So in desperation, I left the campsite we were staying at and found a Christian bookstore with the hopes of finding a new release. I was unsuccessful at finding the Adventures in Odyssey, but what I did discover changed my life in terms of how it relates to the Psalms and the Proverbs. I found this little booklet called 31 Days of Wisdom and Praise, and it's become part of my spiritual rhythm. In fact, it became so worn out, me taking this little booklet and opening it day after day and reading through, because every month I literally could go through the whole of the book of Psalms. It became so worn out, the front cover came off. So I reached out to Zach Lundry, who uh, attended Hillside at that time, who was into making leather. He did a fine job, and I asked him, could you put a cover on this booklet? And so he did. There it is right there. There's the, the to, I guess, you, you see that lovely artwork of, of, uh, of Zach's? And so that kind of held the book together. But in that particular uh, book of Psalms became verses that have just been with me, have, have been my comfort, have been my refuge, have been my strength uh, in these last 20, 25 years. Fast forward to 2015, I received from Jason um, a book uh, written by uh, T Kathy and Tim Keller uh, entitled The Songs of Jesus. And combined with those two books, those two resources have just really helped shape uh, my understanding of the Psalms, have shaped my, um, just my understanding more of David. And it's, so I just wanted to just testify to the fact that as Timothy uh, Teller uh, says this, he says, the Psalms are more than just an instrument of theological instruction. They are written to be prayed recited and sung, not merely read. We are, in a sense, to put them inside our prayers, or perhaps to put our prayers inside of them and approach God in that way. The Kellers conclude in their introduction that the Psalms was Jesus' songbook. It was the book of the Bible that Jesus quoted more than any other. And I figured, hey, if the Psalms were Jesus' go-to, maybe I should listen, maybe I should follow his example. So, 
That's what I want to do this morning. I want to be able to, to dig a little bit deeper into one particular psalm. But before I do that, I just wanted to give you a little bit more context for the psalms. Psalms, the book of Psalms, we already discover the heart of David. Scholars agree that the 150 psalms, 66 to 70 of the psalms, were written by David as his prayer diary. To break down the psalms of David further, there are approximately 14 psalms that reference, reference specific events in David's life. So in the time remaining, what I want to do is I'll be able to highlight a corresponding prayer he wrote with a, an incident in David's life, an encounter, and encourage us to be able to use that prayer as we approach God ourselves. The event I want us to look at is the encounter that David had with Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 23. If you want to turn to your Bibles to 1 Samuel 23 and have that open, I want to give you a context. David has been on the run from Saul ever since he killed Goliath and defeated the Philistines. King Saul, who invited David into his palace to be the, uh, the standing musician where David would, would sing with his harp. He would, uh, so, he would kind of console Saul. But King Saul became very jealous of David. And the, the jealousy turned into rage because David's popularity was growing. And Saul could see it. And Saul could also knew that the hand of God was on David. So what it, Saul just wanted David dead. <laughs> he just wanted to get rid of David. That's how much his jealousy had grown. So David had to leave the king's palace and run for his life. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, starting at verse 20, verse 7, Saul's pursuit, pursuit of David intensifies. We learn in the chapter that Saul calls up all his forces, all these resources at his hand to capture David. And in verse uh, 14 of 23, chapter 23, it says here, David stayed in the desert strongholds in the hills of the desert of Zeth. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. A little bit later in that chapter, we read that... Um, we read what's happening is that Saul was essentially trying to figure out where David was hiding and then would, would think that he had found David, and, but David somehow manages to keep escaping from him. And this is what 26 says, and I want you to just imagine this. Saul was going along one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. As, as Saul and his forces were closing in on David, and his men to capture him. It was a game of cat and mouse. Now, we all have our favorite suspense thrillers, movies, books we've read, where we have the hero, and then we have the government, the police, some sort of enemy that's trying to capture our hero. I think of movies like the Bourne series, 
or The Fugitive, where you're kind of wondering, is this guy ever going to get caught? He, somehow he manages to get away. That's the circumstances that David is in. He is tr- running for his life. He is attempting to get away, but he doesn't know if he's going to make it. Saul was relentless, using whatever means he could to discover David's whereabouts. But where this story comes to a climax is in the cave desert region of Zeph, where David has been hiding. Saul knew his allied sources, that David was in the region of the cave, but did not know exactly where David was. It seemed only a matter of time before Saul would find him. Now, I want to draw, to you, uh, draw some attention to your attention, some emotions that I believe David is feeling in this moment. I want ourselves to be put into David's shoes. What would he be feeling at this moment? What would it be like to be in a cave? You know, when I think about caves, I think, wow, it's dark, it's wet, damp, not a lot of light. And I don't really know, you know, I'm in a cave, I tend to be one who tends to just want to be in a cave and get out. I don't want to be staying there for any too long, right? I want us to be thinking about what that would be like for David. What would he be feeling? What, he, what emotions would he be having at this moment? Well, I have two, a uh, couple of observations. One is that undoubtedly David was afraid, and his fear had been building to the point where it was depleting his emotional and physical strength. And we get that clue if we go back to uh, chapter 23 again and we look at verse 15 to 17. While David was at Horish in the desert of Zeph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life, and his son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped to find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You'll be a king over Israel, and I will be a second to you. Even my father knows this. So what we see here is we have a man who is, is legitimately frightened for his life. And another observation I've made about his situation is that David was feeling loss. Loss of security. Here he was in the palace enjoying all of the amenities of royal life. It's gone. It's disappeared. He doesn't have that anymore. He's vulnerable. I also suggest to you that there's a loss of friends and family. Yes, he had a band of men that were definitely by his side, but that wasn't the same as having familiarity of family, members, and friends. And we know this all too well. We can be in a, a place of many people, a crowds around us, and we can still feel lonely. We can still feel isolated. It's weird, but it's true. And what we really long for more than anything is we love to be in the presence of people who love us and who we love and who know us and we know them. David wasn't feeling that at that point. Early in the chapter of uh, 1 Samuel, we're told that Jonathan and David had, had formed a really close friendship. So you can imagine that David, hearing those words from, from Jonathan, that he had to say goodbye to Jonathan. Jonathan couldn't stay there, and I'm sure it must have been heartbreaking for David to have to say goodbye to Jonathan. And then there was a loss of identity, a loss of purpose, perhaps a loss of calling, 
I'm sure, I, I, I believe that David would be maybe questioning, would I ever hear the words spoken to me earlier in chapter 16 of, of Samuel, where Samuel uh, called on David that you're going to be the next king of Israel? Would he ever hear those words? Would he ever, he wondered about his self-worth. I had the skill to kill a giant. But those skills are no use to me right now. I'm running for my life. And it's with these thoughts, these emotions, and these feelings that Bible scholars believe are the context for David writing, composing Psalm 57. So I want us to have to turn to Psalm 57. Psalm 57. And I'm going to read that to, to you, out to you. This is what, so just think about it. Saul, how he's feeling, where he's at, and he's composing these thoughts. This is a prayer. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster is past. I cry out to you, God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I lie amongst ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for me. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they've fallen into themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the sky reaches to the skies. Be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I'd like to suggest to you in closing four expressions of prayer that David prays in this song. The first expression is that he confessed to God. Have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me. For in you, I have taken refuge. I want you to, to uh, underscore, circle, if you have your Bibles, the word refuge. David repeatedly used this word, not just in this psalm, but throughout his, uh, his uh, prayer diary. In addition to Psalm 57, David refers to God as his refuge in 18 other prayers that he wrote. Another expression of God, expression of prayer that David made was that he complained to God. Now, we typically think of the word when we hear about complain as a negative context. We hear someone's complaining, oh, come on, you're complaining too much. But David believes that God can handle his complaint. And you know what? God isn't offended. We get offended when people complain. God doesn't. I've learned that in my journey of faith. And I remember many times when I've just cried out to God like David and just told him exactly what's going on. I'm in, and for David, it was, I'm in the midst of lions, God. I'm forced to dwell amongst ravenous beasts. They spread a net for me, God. Another expression. 
of prayer for David is that he considers what God has done. Verse 3, we read, He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. I want to cross-reference um, to Psalm 143, verse 3 to 5. And this is not the only psalm where David uses uh, this thought of him thinking on God and thinking of his God's love and faithfulness. And Psalm 143, verse uh, 3 says, um, I remember the days of long ago. I remember the days I will meditate on your works and consider all that your hands have done. So there's, first of all, we have confession. Secondly, we have complaint. Thirdly, we consider what God has done. And lastly, we see in the latter part of this psalm we that David celebrates God's love and faithfulness. For great is your love. Reach into the heavens. Can you live? I mean, I've sung that song. We've, there's, there's, been a, there's been many, many melodies to that song. But to believe that at that point in David's life where he was feeling the way he was feeling, that, I, that was where he was at. He was able to put his mind in his heart towards God and to celebrate that. I like how uh, Scripture Union writer Julie Woods, he was an Old Testament lecturer and a frequent contributor to the Scripture Union Encounter with God. It's a devotional I use pretty much daily. She says this, David was hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Saul was seeking his life, and David cries out to God from a cave in which he's hidden. Even though his cry for help came when his life was in danger, his confidence and trust is in the Lord, and it did not waver. So, what's your story? One of these particular expressions are more relevant to you than another. Maybe your situation is that you just need to confess, I need you, God. I need you, my refuge. You may need to be complaining to God. I really would encourage you uh, to vent to God when your situations, where you're feeling the way that David perhaps felt. But as we close off this morning, I've got a couple things I want to do. I just want to uh, invite you to go, to go through an exercise with me of taking a thing in a situation in your life right now. Maybe it's something that you're personally dealing with. It could be a health issue. It could be a financial issue. It could be an issue that's come out of the pandemic. But you're in that situation right now. And I'm going to just uh, lead you through these four expressions. And with your heads bowed, I'm just going to simply ask you to pray and express to God your situation. First of all, express and confess to God. Just take a moment and do that. Oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, be my refuge. And then pour out your complaint to God this morning. Tell him 
exactly what's going on. Maybe for yourself or maybe whoever else is impacting your life right now, pray for them. Cry out to God. Complain to Him. Vent to Him. He wants to hear it. He can handle it. And then consider, consider what God has done in the past. Consider what God has done before. Consider his faithfulness. Think back on a time when you've seen him work. He'll do it again. Maybe not in the same way, but he will be faithful. Call on him for that. And then finally, celebrate. Look to the heavens. Celebrate God's love. Celebrate his faithfulness. Oh, God, you are my God. I will praise you. Be exalted, God. These are just choices that we make when we, we come to God. It's not necessarily all about what we feel, but it's about our trust in God, that he is the God who is above all the gods. As we um, are in this moment of, of, of meditation, of reflection, I like to uh, take um, you to a place where I've been in the past where those, and then it continues to be the case, where I've prayed that. And one particular uh, time, I was meditating on Psalm chapter 42. And in that psalm, um, there's a phrase that says, I pray to the God of my life. And uh, at that moment, and I've done this more than once, I've done it where uh, melodies come to me, uh, some thoughts have come to me, and I've put them down, and I've written a song. And I want to sing that to you, over you. I want to bless you with this. Uh, but before I do, I'm going to have uh, Dave, uh, Stephen just come up and uh, just uh, pray a prayer of response to what we've heard this morning. Stephen? Stephen?